Coming up today on Abounding Grace. God is able to predict the future with 100% accuracy. In his omniscience, he knows all things. And if God knows anything, he knows all things by definition. He's able to predict 100% of the time what will happen. He's right, always. He's on target, always. He can be trusted all the time. His word is so reliable that we can look back on it and see and be able to say this, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. It hasn't failed one word, even as you're waiting for some promises to yet be fulfilled. You'll be able one day to look back and say, God has not failed to keep his promises. This is amazing grace. From Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, this is Abounding Grace. In a moment, we'll be joined by Pastor Ed Taylor, who today picks up where we left off in John's Gospel. We study the Bible every day here on the program, but how do we know the words we read in the Word can be trusted? Well, as you'll hear today, the predictive prophecy given to us in the Bible serves to boost our confidence in the trustworthiness of the Word. Pastor Ed says, since God knows our future, we can trust Him. John's Gospel, chapter 19, as we learned the last time we were together, that right there at the cross, so many prophecies or predictions, that's what the word prophecy means, it simply means to predict or to foretell or to tell something in advance. That's the definition of the subject of our Bible study today, that so many prophecies are taking place and being fulfilled at the cross. And one of them is in chapter 19, verse 23. John chapter 19, verse 23, where it says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, verse 24, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. And then John comments that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots, which is a quote from Psalm 22, verse 18. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. There's a few more that surround this event and surround Jesus. Let me give them to you. If you're taking notes or you don't normally take notes, today would be a great day to take notes because we're going to cover a lot of scriptures. I'm going to share a lot of scriptures today as we develop this Bible study. Here's one, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3. It's prophesies and predicts that he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we did not esteem him. That's fulfilled in John chapter 1, verse 10. For he was in the world, the world was made through him, the world did not know him, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Here's another, Psalm 41, verse 9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread 
and lifted up his heel against me. That's fulfilled. Mark chapter 14, verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray him to them. Here's another. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. Then I said to them, If it's agreeable to you, give me my wages, and if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. That's fulfilled. Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Let me give you one more in Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. That was fulfilled in Mark chapter 15, verse 5. But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Over 330 prophecies or predictions are made of the first coming of Messiah. 332 to be exact, that were perfectly fulfilled by Jesus Christ. God put his name and God put his reputation on the line by saying hundreds of years before Messiah would come, 332 different things specifically, precisely, that he would fulfill individually. There are so many more than just a few that we looked at as God moves us into a deeper trust in him. Why? Because we learn today that God is the God of prophecy. God is the God of prophecy. His word can be trusted. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Some of you having a difficulty believing God's word today? Well, God says that his word is settled. It is settled. It is firm and fixed in heaven today. Psalm 119, verse 152. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible for many, many reasons. A lot of times uh, questions come up, how can I trust the Bible and why should I trust the Bible? Well, of all the reasons you can trust the Bible, all the evidence, all the, the powerful, wonderful manuscript evidence of the Bible, archaeological evidence of the Bible, the predictive prophecy of the Bible is one of its strongest arguments. Predictive prophecy and the statistical probability of all these prophecies being said and then fulfilled, as we'll look at in just a moment. So why do we spend so much time studying the Bible, and in particular, the prophecies in the Bible, the predictions? Why does it matter that God predicts the future? What difference does it make? What difference does it make that really the Bible is filled with all of these prophecies and predictions? Well, here's the difference. God wants you to trust him. You see, a lot of mistakes are made with prophecy where prophecy becomes the central focus and the central point. But that's not God's heart for you and me. As we're studying prophecy, God's not wanting us to get hung up on prophecy. He wants us to know him, the God of prophecy. 
That's the significance, the God of prophecy. Why would he put so many predictions in the Bible and fulfill so many of them so far so that we might be enamored with who God is? And it's not surprising that there's so much arguing over prophecy, that the people love to get in arguments about the little nuances and this little thing over here and that little thing over here and what's going to happen here. And there's so much arguing instead of so much awe of the God who gave the prophecy. It's so much awe in who he is and what he can do and is doing in your life and mine. Prophecy matters because the word of God matters because the God of the word matters. But prophecy is not the focus. Our great and gracious God is the focus. And we're introduced to a God and his great love for you and me that knows the future and knows our future. And consider this today. Because God knows the future... And because God knows your future, you can trust him. You can trust him. In the good times, you can trust him. In the hard times, you can trust him. Why? Because God has proven and demonstrated that he knows the future. We've already learned that God is omniscient. He knows all things. God has foreknowledge. So, so that when he speaks, he speaks of what he already knows. And prophecy is so powerful. I'm really amazed of all the arguments. I mean, well-known Bible teachers, they either avoid prophecy or they get caught up in the minutia of prophecy. And, and many today, I'm seeing this wave today of this anti-prophecy move in the church. You know, one Bible answer man, he says this, and I quote, only prophecy pundits with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And he says it as if it's a bad thing to do, to compare the Bible to present day events. Well, I want you to know God's expectation for you and me is to understand the days and times and seasons in which we live. It's his heart for us to pay attention to the world in which we live so that we might not understand not only the fulfillment of prophecy and things that God predicted, but also that we might understand how to use the word of God to reach people that are living in this upside down crazy world. This stuff has been predicted. God has said in advance that the closer to the second coming of the Lord, things are going to get crazier. And you and I are living in generation that things are getting crazy. I mean, cray-cray, straight up. <laughs> things are happening that even 30 years ago would be hard to convince you that would be happening. I mean, 30 years ago. I, I, only, I moved to Colorado 18 years ago. And when I moved here 18 years ago, there was not high-speed internet in my neighborhood. I did not have high-speed internet in my house. If I wanted to download some big file, I would need to go to work. And on my work computer, I have to ask my boss. But I was the boss, so this is how it go. Hey, Ed, can I download a big file? And Ed said, yes, go ahead. And so I download it, put it on a disk, bring it home, put it on my account. Because I didn't have high-speed internet. But now... Not only is there high-speed internet all over the place, but many of you have high-speed internet in your pockets and in your hand. And if I told you 30 years ago, hey, I don't even have high-speed internet in my house, which was still kind of slow back then, but I'd say, you know what? In 18 years, you're going to have it in your pocket. You're going to like, oh, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. You're crazy, man. I don't even have it in my house. What are you talking about? But it's happening. These advances in technology, you know, one of the prophecies of the end times is that knowledge would increase. Knowledge would increase. Knowledge would increase. There's a couple ways of looking at that. First of all, I think it specifically speaks to the knowledge of prophecy. 
where things will be revealed and toward the end times, toward the coming of the Lord, the closer we get, the more we're going to understand and the more knowledge we're going to gain about the prophetical things in the scriptures. And I accept that. But I also believe it speaks to something else, and that is that in general, knowledge will increase. You'll have access to more knowledge. And you see that because we do. We, we do. You know, in the day, if I wanted to find something out, you know, in my, when I was growing up, I had to find something out. I would need to come up with a question, walk over to the bookshelf, pull out a, a volume of the encyclopedias that my mom and dad mortgaged their house for 30 years to buy. Can I get an amen? Anybody have encyclopedias? All right, because most of the kids are like, what? was that? Encyclopedias. Well, if you don't know what they are, just Google it. Because you can now. You don't have to go into a library and flip through the Dewey Decimal System to find the card and then go over and look and go, I don't know where it's at, and find a librarian. And she looks at you like, don't you know how to use these cards? And you go, not only do I know not know how to use them, I don't want to use them. But now, you can put something in a Google search bar and have a million billion things pop up. Knowledge increasing. Things happening. Again, if I told you just a few years ago, that Google would become so pervasive in your life that the price for all these free services is a company that's as big or bigger than most countries on the planet in their gross national product. If I told you that they have more information on you than even you know about you, that they know what you watch, they know when you watch it, they know what you surf. They know the phone calls you make. They know where you are as they track. If I told you that a few years ago, you go, oh, come on, man. You're crazy. And yet, there are companies that know more about you than even you know about you. And this knowledge increases. If I told you a few years ago that, man, we're getting to this global economy and we're getting to this global uh, a government, and I talked to you about man, what the Bible says, you know, the Antichrist is going to come, there's going to be a one world leader, a one world religion, a one world currency, it would all be out of one place. You, they, folks in the past, no way, that could never happen. I couldn't even see how it happens. And yet, where's our president this week? At a global summit. That's the key word, by the way. When you're reading the news, watching the news, listening to the news, that's the key word. Whenever you hear global, tune your ears. Because when those guys get together, you know, the G20, as they're getting together and talking about the world, they're talking about controlling you and me. That's what the governments of man do. Now, whether they can accomplish it or not, or it happens in our lifetime, we don't know. But it's not for us to bury our heads in the sand and think that the Bible isn't coming to pass right before your eyes. It might stir you to holy living, understanding that the coming of the Lord is at hand. And you are seeing things in your generation that generations before you would just shake their head and say, it could never happen. Well, that's what, it's happening right before your eyes, right under our noses. It's not a bad thing to understand prophecy, not only from the perspective of the end times, but in, jot it down in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, it speaks of the sons of Issachar, and the sons of Iskar are described as having understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. They had understanding of the times. 
It's God's heart for us to understand the times. Check this out. Turn over to Matthew chapter 16, and let's learn from Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Master. What does he tell us about this? Well, notice this episode in Matthew chapter 16. Pick up with me in verse 1. As Jesus is, is rebuking the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the religious rulers, but remember, every time Jesus is speaking, he's got an audience, and he's discipling those that want to listen to him, and he's rebuking those that don't, just like any Bible study. This is a mixed group, people listening on the radio, live right now. It's a mixed group, people watching online. It's mixed. There are many people that want to learn, so you're going to learn today. But there are some of you that don't want to learn at all. You're resistant and you're pressing back and you're going to walk away going, I don't know why I didn't even get anything out of it. it has, it's a matter of the heart and the reception and God giving you life and understanding. So check this out in verse 1. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, When it's evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites! You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Here, rejecting their Messiah. This is so relevant for us, isn't it, in Colorado? Because if there's one thing I learned moving to Colorado, is people in Colorado love to talk about the weather. It's all about the weather. If it's not a, you know, when we first moved there, there were, the first story in the news, it, was, it just tripped us out, was a cat stuck in a tree or something. And we're like, wow, this is awesome. There's no crime here, no difficulty here, just cats stuck in a tree, man. And then the next one was the weather, the weather, the weather. Yeah, times have changed a little bit, but not the weather. Weather, weather is always the top thing, man. Just the lead story, middle story, it's all about the weather here. And it's really cool. I've, I've learned to appreciate the weather here, some of the seasons. And it's really neat how things change and you wake up in the morning and you, many of you, you can look up at the sky and say, well, it's going to be a clear day today. Or you can look up and you can see storms coming in and you can learn the different types of clouds and what they mean. And it's amazing. And, and the weather's so cool here that you can actually get all four seasons appear in one day. It's amazing. And then, of course, you guys that are in the weather, you know, you are in the weather because you'll see the sunset over the Rockies and it's orange and blue. And then you're like posting on Facebook, oh, look at the sunset. God is a Bronco fan. Yeah. He's not. He's not. Everybody gets to see that sunset. <laughs> hey, for those of you that can tell the weather, Jesus would say to you, do you understand the signs of the times? Do you spend as much time learning about your environment and learning what's going on in life as you do on the weather? Because that's what he's doing right here. He's rebuking them for being so smart about the weather, but ignoring the days in which they live. You know, when you and I ignore the signs of the times, we're, we are in effect ignoring people. And the need and the urgency to love people in the name of Jesus Christ. The need and the urgency to be the salt and the light of the earth. Because if we really believe the Bible, and I think we do, and we really believe the signs of the time, and I think we do, then it's going to move us in action to love people and to care for them. I wouldn't be a faithful pastor if I didn't tell you the times and the seasons and point out things to you. And, and, and it's amazing that God is able to predict the future with 100% accuracy. 
that he can say something and it comes to pass. Let me show you some. Turn over to Isaiah now, the book of Isaiah, which is to the left. Start in verse or chapter 44, would you? God is able to predict the future with 100% accuracy. In his omniscience, he knows all things. And if God knows anything, he knows all things by definition. He's able to predict 100% of the time what will happen. He's right, always. He's on target, always. He can be trusted all the time. His word is so reliable that we can look back on it and see and be able to say this, 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 56, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. It hasn't failed one word, even as you're waiting for some promises to yet be fulfilled. You'll be able one day to look back and say, God has not failed to keep his promises. Even if you are in that time of waiting on the Lord, where your strength is being renewed. You know, there's a couple things that happens when you're waiting on the Lord. If you're waiting on the Lord looking to God, he's going to renew your strength. If you're waiting on the Lord and kind of frustrated by the waiting, you're going to become impatient. And impatient people usually do things that they regret. And it's so much better to look to the Lord, wait for him to fulfill his promise. Just because there's a delay doesn't mean God has denied you. He's working out something in my life and in your life, teaching me about himself. And when he prophesies, he does it for a reason. Notice in chapter 44, pick up in verse 6, would you? Isaiah 44, verse 6. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me there is no God. And who can proclaim as I do? Then let him declare it and set it in order for me. Since I appointed the ancient people and the things that are coming and shall come, let them show these to me. He says, who can proclaim like I do? Who can say in advance what I say and watch it come to pass? Notice chapter 46, verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Pick up really in verse 8 for context. Remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mine, O you transgressors, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. Verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Look at chapter 48 now, verse 3. Chapter 48, verse 3. God speaking through Isaiah. He says, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went out from my mouth and I caused them to hear it. And notice, suddenly I did them. Suddenly I did them and they came to pass. See, God not only can predict the future, he can accomplish it too. <laughs> he can't, he's not just speak forth the future, he makes it happen because he's God. And it should be comforting to us today in a very real way. Here we are in Aurora, Colorado in the United States of America, on the planet Earth, the North American continent, in the Milky Way, in the solar system that we're in, to know that God is faithful. God is faithful. And because he is faithful, he can be trusted. And with that, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor to a close. 
Pastor Ed's message, God Knows Your Future, so you can trust Him, can be heard again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Hear Abounding Grace through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that for free today. Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christmas. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel searches out the true identity of the child in the manger. He consults experts on the Bible, archaeology, and messianic prophecy. We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. And you can place a resource request when you call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order resources like this at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. Help us finish the year strong. To make a donation to the ministry, you can do that online at aboundinggraceradio.com. Thank you again for helping us reach out through the radio with the gospel and truth of Jesus Christ. We'll get back into the Gospel of John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.